Warning! This podcast contains hot takes, cliched opinions, and strong language. Pay attention to the cracked streets and the broken homes. Some call it slum, some call it nice. I want to take you to a wasteland I like to call my own. Welcome to the Records and Bands podcast. Very good, very good. I got that thought, thought that was where you're heading, halfway. I was going to go with when I come around and come on the Records and Bands podcast, but it was probably better. <laughs> this is a record that, it's definitely a you record, it's definitely a Sam record. Absolutely, yeah. But it would have come through me. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, yet another one of those on the school bus with the headphone splitter CDs which mm. came from Neon and I did actually tap him up to see where he had found it from because I keep saying about oh you know there's uh, this record or that record and Neon found it and brought yeah it yeah in. yeah well before we carry on too far we should probably introduce the record oh okay yeah okay I don't think we've introduced that I think we've just barreled straight in Sam as this is one of your records would you like to introduce it I very much would so we are going to be talking about the 1994, I'm going to call it Epic. It was on Reprise, I think. Well, yes, very good, very good. This is, for my money, the single most important punk record that's ever probably been made. Don't want to get into it too much about what you might think it is, other people, because fuck you. We're talking about Green Day's 1994 breakthrough album, Dookie. So this is one of those records that you would have heard through me, and I'll be honest, I think you probably like it more than I do overall. Yeah, I would say that's fair. And I think you have a much deeper relationship with the band than I do. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely came came to them through Dookie and then Dookie, Dookie? Either. Fuck yeah, it. Dookie. Um, Dookie. So I, I definitely came to them through Dookie and went backwards to um, yeah. Kaplunk and... 10.39 smoothed out slappy hours yeah. which was uh, yeah. that, that was like the combination of like three EPs or something wasn't it yeah that's right yeah and it was about 500 about 500 tracks long I think yeah sounds about right so yeah I would have come to um, probably Dookie would have been the first I heard of them like you said from from you and and our Rich as well listening to it one of those albums that I would have only been little if I Young, shall we say? I'm not sure I was ever little. About seven or eight, I think. It's the nearest I can say that hearing Green Day to me and and getting into Green Day is the nearest I would say I've had to like what people would refer to as like a Beatles moment. Like, you know, people say, oh, you never forget the first time you heard the Beatles. Hearing Green Day was one of the bands that really changed everything almost because like there would have been bands that like, I knew for you and our rich and and to be fair, some from mum and dad who I liked. Obviously, I was probably the biggest Eagles fan who was only 10 years old at the time, which I wear very proudly. I'm no in no way ashamed of my my love of the Eagles. But yes, they felt like a band that I could get into and that could like I could run with. This is probably a, a bit a bit later, to be fair, than the initial hearing of them. So, you know. I would say by the time I was like 10, I would say, well, certainly by the time I got to secondary school, I was, quote unquote, into Green Day. What year would that have been, do you reckon? So around 97, 98. Right. Around okay. that. So I remember the first Green Day album I actually bought or had a copy of was Insomniac, like my own copy. I know there were Green Day CDs knocking around, but I remember buying, having my own copy of Insomniac. So that would have been obviously later than later than Ducky, but yeah, I reckon I probably would have got that. Well, I remember I remember what happened. I remember I tried to blag mum to buy it for me, and she wasn't happy because it had the parental advisory sticker on it. All right. So, so that's how young I would have been. Well, so how old do you reckon you were then? Like, about 10? Yeah, around that. 11, 10, 11. Because she got me usually illusion too when I was about 12. Yeah. And that's got getting the ring on it. Yeah, but I'm the I'm the youngest, aren't I? Given up by then, isn't they? Fuck it, he'll do. He's all right. Well, to be fair though, it's like I would have been already been exposed to it, wouldn't I? Yeah, yeah, to a yeah, degree. Yeah. So, and from then on, really, bands come and go. Bands have probably replaced them a little bit in some regards. 
but I would say that Green Day are my favourite band. And that's from a point of view of a little bit like discussions we had on our last episode about the Manics. So you were mm-hmm. saying that like you've kind of stopped listening to the Manics. A li- yeah, yeah, yeah. You've sort of stopped listening to the Manics a little bit, but they're they're still your like one of your absolute favourite bands. Green Day hold that for me too. And just to jump in about what you were saying when you like um, Green Day were like the first band you were like, yeah, this is for me. Mm. That's how like just harking back to last week's episode or. Yeah, that's last episode we did the um, when we were talking about the Manics. That's how I yeah. always felt about the Manics. I mean, I, I you know I, now like I I've loved Pearl Jam since like well, not quite the beginning, but not far off, like nineteen ninety two probably. And I was a bit later to Therapy. I'm just thinking some of the bands we've already spoke about. Ben yeah. Folds, I really enjoyed from the start, but like the Manics were ones that. You know, they were our band, or they were my band. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which, I'll be honest, I never actually got with Green Day. For me, it was another one of those on the school bus records mm. that Neon got, and I did ask him how he came to it. Um, yeah, because we had quite a lot of feedback online about this, haven't we, this week? So we put shout out on social media to get other people's opinions on Dookie by Green Day. I was quite interested to hear from Neon, because I, I actually um, tagged him in the post, and I mentioned it. Um, Leon, this is another one of those uh, headphone splitter on the bus albums of ours. Yeah. But I tried to get the actual story of how we got hold of it, whether it was just the usual, he saw him on MTV or if someone else passed him on. Yeah. And I got a lovely message back. Um, he said he can't actually remember where he first heard it, but it was probably on MTV, which he taped to a which he taped and then he bought the album. And then... Mm. He reckons he only had the money for, to buy the album because. It... You right, Isa? Do you want to go say hi to Uncle Jack? No. Okay. <coughs> you... Charming. Fuck you. <laughs> um. So he said he can't remember where he first heard it, but probably on MTV. Um. He definitely remembers how he bought it though, because uh, we went on a school trip to Alton Towers. Right. Um. Which was would have been the back end of year. 10 I suppose fourth year at high school and he didn't want to go because he just saw this like fucking roller coasters load of shit sit on a bus for three hours and then yeah queue in and to be fair he's probably fucking right yeah yeah but and this is good some good thinking he basically said to his mum um if you ain't paying for that school trip can I have some money for some records nice and so she said yeah all right because she's a good girl as Steph and then um, he jumped on the bus into Hereford, went to our price, and bought this record, bought Ducky. Oh, well, there we go. Um, and he said it wasn't long after that he bought Kaplunk in 10.39, smoothed out Slappy mm. Hours as well. There so we that's, go. So, and then, obviously, so he would have brought it, um, would have listened to it on there. I can honestly say, until you gave a copy of Ducky to Evan for his Christmas... Mm-hmm. There's never, I've there's never been a copy of Ducky in my house. Well, that's a very sad state of affairs. It was always one that was like taped. Mm. So when yeah. I've been listening to it again this week, I just don't know the names of any of the songs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you want to run through some of the other feedback we got? Have interest? I can, but fuck them. Um, <laughs> no, I will. There was, so um, Jack Holland. Do you know him or do you not know him? You do know him. so um, I do indeed. Yeah, yeah. Jack's a, um, a guy from here. He used to be in a band with Scott. Really talented guitarist. Well, all right, talented musician. Good guy. Um, so Jack Holland reckons they got a couple of good tunes, but but the tweenies are more punk than they are, which I think the mm. tweenies reference probably aged Jack as well. Yeah, to be fair, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, he punks that. You know, <laughs> um, he did then go on to say he may be may have been a bit harsh, but he's just thinking of them when comparing to the likes of the Sex Pistols and the Stiff Little Fingers. You know, yeah. But I think that's a lot of the bother, and we'll we'll get to it later on about what is punk and what isn't punk. We've got an essay to go through. Now the essay, I believe, is from my friend Bill. Right. So Scott, who is a guitarist in your band, he didn't yeah. even realise you liked him, or he couldn't remember if you liked him. He said, um, he said, Ducky's great. Uh, he doesn't think that anyone could argue with that. Uh, been, the band themselves have had a, some absolute belters of songs over the years and a fair few of them on Ducky. 
couldn't tell you what they are like now because he stopped listening after 21st century breakdown mm. so i haven't got a clue when that record was because as i mentioned to scott on facebook this is great podcasting me reading facebook comments um I just well said, it, it's nice to give people the shout out isn't it yeah that's it um i did i did mention to him that we me and you went to see him at wembley yeah, and it felt like, and whether it's just because we were set up in the gods or whatever, I just thought it was a bit shit. But you really, really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. So Absolutely. and then and then the lovely Bill Davis left me an essay. I don't know if I'm going to read all this out. I might just, uh, I might have to read it all out actually. Bill is a massive, massive Green Day fan. He's one of the few people I know who's kind of kept up. Do you know what? I was just thinking: Have I actually ever seen Green Day with Bill? I don't think I have. Do you know when Bill wrote this essay? I nearly when he wrote this essay to us. I nearly texted him to say, "See if he wants to come on." Yeah, yeah. I think we might have missed a trick there. <laughs> Maybe for a future uh, Green Day deep dive, Bill would be. So Bill says they're his favorite band of all time. International super hits introduced me to the kind of music I like. He likes. Mm-hmm. Then he discovered Ducky and every other every other album that came before and after. If you're into music from that '90s punk explosion, few will argue that everything up to and including Warning is pretty solid. Even the low budget first two albums still stand up. Billy Joe's a fantastic songwriter, and although they have struggled to keep on top of the wave that came with American Idiot, some of their more recent albums are decent. 21st Century Breakdown would have turned a lot of people off because it was too similar to its predecessor just not as good. Um, they've experimented with their sound over the years and it hasn't always been to everyone's liking, but that's to be respected. Many more traditional punk fans jumped off at American Idiot. In my case, they completely lost me with their recent album, Father of All Motherfuckers. He didn't write Motherfuckers because he's a nice lad, unlike us. <laughs> you can't win them all. They're, they're also one of the best live bands around in terms of both sound and performance. They're second to none. Um, in terms of live performances, are they still doing that fucking hack shit where they get the kiddie up to play the guitar or something? <laughs> Do you know what, Rob? I haven't seen Green Day for... Well, might even be 15 years, probably. Right. But they probably still are doing that. But they probably still are. And I'll be honest, it's great when they do it. It's right. one of those things. It's a little bit like... I'd be it's I'd be disappointed if they didn't do it if I saw it. Mm-hmm. It's almost like them playing basket case. It's like they, they why haven't they done it if they didn't do it? Um, one of the guys from Verse Chorus Verse podcast. We had a bit of a chat about it on uh, Instagram at Records and Bands. I had mentioned that you think it's the best punk album ever made. So um, he said, "Ducky's a great album, but the best punk album ever made." With a big question mark. Come on, it steals way too much from stuff that was already done. Also, soon after that, they would write Good Riddance, which disqualifies them from being a good anything. Right. Now, I don't know the bloke, so I won't I won't put the boot in here. But show me an album that doesn't borrow from anything and I'll shake his hand because nothing's original. Absolutely nothing's original, I'm afraid, to a, to, to a degree. And this is part of my uh, with people putting the boot in on Green Day because... Ducky is seen as their almost their sellout album where they went mainstream and to some people lost their way, lost what they stood for. But let's say what they stood for. There's not really much difference between Kaplunk and Ducky. It just sounds a bit better, to be honest. I had a listen, I would listen to Kaplunk today just to because I hadn't listened to either record for a long time. So I listened to Kaplunk today and there's an awful lot of stuff on Kaplunk, which sounds like they're trying to be no FX and, but that isn't on, I don't get that feeling from Ducky. Yeah. You see, what is it? Um, dominated love slave and stuff like that. Yeah. By the time you get to Ducky, they that's in the past. Like, I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's because... a bad thing. I'm not saying it is a bad thing. No, no, no. no. I'm just saying it's but, like, that they... stuff about like the like dominated love slave. You've got pulling teeth on Ducky, which mm-hmm. is kind of that sort of vibe. But I don't think that much changes really right. between the plunk and Duck. Personally, Two Thousand Light Years Away is the opening track, which is an absolutely brilliant song. So is there quality much... quality song? Um, is there much on Kaplunk that you? Would sit? Do you, do you reckon there's stuff on Kaplung which is like interchangeable with 
you know, you could put on Ducky and it wouldn't yeah. notice. There's a yeah. couple of those, like Christy Road, I thought. Yeah. Um, to, 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 to answer your question, really, Welcome to Paradise is on both albums. Oh, yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, no, I think I think 2,000 light years away would fit. I think one of my lies would probably fit. Is um, Paper Lanterns on that? Is that on Smoothed Out Stuffy Hours? That's on Smoothed Out, I believe. Yeah. It's, you know, there's three years between the albums. I, I think, like, Kaplunk, they've been kicking it around for a while. Hmm. But yeah. also, like, if you think about stuff like like Christy Road and that, like Kaplunk was ninety two, and so Billy Joe like was like twenty. Yeah. So it, people um, who say, "Oh, it's all immature," and it's saying they're saying you know, bunch of kids, they were a bunch of kids. There's yeah. there's a load of yeah. shit like um, Silver Chair get a load of shit like for um, oh look, he just wants to be Kurt Cobain, this, that, and the other. But like there was someone was given Silver Chair a load of shit on Instagram the other day about how. Uh, um, oh, look at him, wants to be Kurt Cobain or, you know, mm. just a Nirvana ripoff. And I'm thinking, like, like that's their second album. The kid's 17. What were you doing? Yeah, like? yeah exactly. Sniffing girls, exactly. chasing glue. Yes, yes. There's a story. I don't, again, I don't know how true it is. You know, it might be one of those, what's the word or phrase I'm looking for? Hypocritical. But that's the one. That's the one. Fuck me, got but, it right. Billy Joe, well, this isn't, Billy Joe used to play with Rancid, mm-hmm. just casually, you know, because a lot of that went on around that scene. And Tim Armstrong said to him, like, might not even been Rancid, it might have been Operation Ivy, but around that sort. He says to me, he says, like, I want to start, I'm starting another band. Do you want to join my band? And Billy Joe said to him, basically, I would, but I've just written Ducky and it's going to blow, basically. So he was like, I can't. Turn turn my back on it, and sort of sort of knew that they had something. And I I just I feel like I'm being quite defensive here, but it just winds me up that like people will say that Green Day aren't a real punk band or aren't a proper punk band, but it's okay for the Ramones to sound like they do. Yeah, you take the two, they're, 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 the, they're almost the same band. And I know people say, oh well, Green Day ripped off the Ramones. Well, did they? Or it's just that they just heard the Ramones and they like the Ramones. So that's kind of what they do. Because I know that, and I've said this before, I think it might have been way back when, when we had Rich Lovell on, part of my love for Green Day is that I hear it and I think I could do that. I could do that. You know, I can I can play Welcome to Paradise. I can, you know, I can play when I come around. And Billy Joe probably heard the Ramones and thought, fucking hell, I can play. I want to be sedated. You know, I, there's probably a bit of a mix up on timelines and stuff there. But like, do you see what I mean? I think that, and I, I for, from my understanding at least, maybe people have other opinions on it. People trash Green Day because they've got that poppier sound, but everyone still, still but it's fine to walk around with your Ramones shirt on, like when the Ramones are, are poppy. I don't think it's even that. I think it's a lot of it is also to do with, well, there's definitely an age thing, which I'm going to come on to, mm. but you know how i've said before that you know that i've been guilty of not liking certain hip-hop hip-hop or rap artists because they're not really saying anything mm-hmm. and that you know therefore but it's unfair of me to expect every hip-hop artist to be fighting the power yeah you know why you know why should a black why should every black artist be political mm. why should every punk band be political or have a yeah. have a stance of, of you yeah, know absolutely and, and also for i and i think most people who actually know i think the fact that green day came out of like one of the most inclusive punk scenes in america yeah exactly which gets yeah. overlooked all the time like gilman street where they came up playing was like the haven it didn't matter mm. if you were if you were gay straight black trans anything if you wanted a safe space come and yeah. play here and that's why mm-hmm. um the accusations of selling out are unfair because there's a whole thing of like if you sign with a major label you don't get to play at gilman street anymore mm. yeah and they knew that green day knew that when they signed their record deal but the whole point of what of that was if you get signed it's like i said say about the manics the manics got a bit mm. of rugby club 
you know. So yeah. the people that used to beat the shit out of me were suddenly at Manic Manic's concerts. Yeah. For instance, not a lot of people beat the shit mm. out of me because I ran too quick. But but you know, do <laughs> you, you know what I mean? So the yeah, same yeah, yeah, same yeah, yeah. goes like Green Day weren't welcome at Gilman Street because the jock crowd that the Gilman Street regulars were trying to get away from would go, you know, would be tempted to go yeah. and watch. And then it's yeah. taken away that safe space for everyone else. And I think what comes yeah. out of that is a lot of Green Day sold out, that they don't play in the old places they used to. Mm. And a lot of that is out of respect for... Cause, for the, those places. For those places, you know, and they knew the rules when they went on. Like, there's a really, mm. really good documentary on uh, I found on YouTube about like the early days and it was when yeah. they actually it was building up to when they went back to play a benefit for the Gilman Street Club. Oh yes, yeah, 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 um, yeah. And again, me being guilty of it, every sort of fifteen minute it cuts to a break and it's a produced by Spotify project. Mm. Which makes you think, Oh fucking Spotify, like you, you, yeah, you know, yeah. fucking commercial the Green Day fucking commercial and that's me going off on one when they're talking about their early yeah. breaks, you know, so I don't know what my point is, really. I also feel that in the early 90s, and because of that whole grunge scene, Southern Out was such a big thing. We've mentioned it on here before. Mm. That for me, like for me, people like Southern Out was the worst thing you can do. Whereas, like, people your age have a different view on that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, to be fair, if Green Day hadn't, I I can't do air quotes because it's a a podcast, but if Green Day hadn't, quote unquote, sold out i probably never would have heard them i said today if green if green day didn't blow up and if i hadn't heard ducky i wouldn't have heard rancid Mm. and yeah you know and i wouldn't have heard bad religion because it wouldn't have turned me on to that that scene exactly i'm not saying green day and rancid saying the same far from it i'm saying that but, but you know, and I, I think I've said before somewhere, maybe in a blog post about Rancid, that you know Johnny Rotten and all of them, the dream of fucking writing songs with as much emotional mm. heft as some Rancid songs and some Green yeah. Day songs. You know, yeah. absolutely. Like, um, whether it's a punk song or not, "Wake Me Up When September Ends." Oh, it's a beautiful piece of songwriting. Yeah. No, yeah. Can you see um, what's his name from the Stranglers or some dude from the UK subs or writing that? Well, UK no, subs, Lars Fredrickson plays in the UK subs, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, and he probably yeah. could write something like that. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's like, I don't know. I think there's a lot, a lot of age stuff comes into it. I agree. And I do think, and it's something that I try not to do, even though I know I'm very stuck in my ways, is that like, the ironic thing is that stuff that I would say that, you know, that I probably get accused of, being sort of stuck in my ways, but it's stuff like Green Day, but it's not even really my ways because like even that's like I was eight when this record came out, so it's kind of like even it's even a bit of a throwback for me. But just to what I, I would say, because I know we've we've done these couple of these in depth, um, these deep dives and albums now, is um I might not know like the history and like the sort of like the factuality of a lot of it. But what I do have is, like you said at the start, is like a pretty deep connection with the record and with the band. And it's something that annoys me. Um, and it, it it does come from, it comes from many, many corners. But like, um, people will say to me, oh, Green Day aren't, aren't punk, quote unquote. But like, you know, and it, it, it's not it's not the same as, as what it was in 77. But like, to me... Being 11 years old, wearing a Green Day t-shirt on non-school uniform day and getting the piss ripped out of me for it feels pretty real, if you know what I mean. Like, and to me, having, you know, being quite a, a quiet child, wearing a Green Day shirt was kind of like, well, kind of fuck you a little bit, if you know what I mean. Mm. And like, it, and I know that might sound like I'm being a bit over the top, but like, I feel by the time I was like 15 or 16, Green Day were were, were, were like a, an accepted band, you know, like and everyone liked them. And it, it, I did feel a little bit like, well, yeah, I know I've been listening to it since I was 11 fucking years old. And there is that like, get, get grief for, or hear people say things about Green Day now. And like, it, it, it kind of feels a little bit the same, if you know what I mean? It's like, I'm 20 years older than I was, 
but people are still saying the same fucking thing. It's like, get over it a little bit. I mean, now I don't care. You know, like my, one of my favorite things is we played a gig somewhere and I can't remember where it was, but like a lot of old sort of punks and there were a lot of like, a lot of Sex Pistols t-shirts knocking around. You know, you, you know, you know, it's not the most progressive view a lot of people, you know, of music in, in some of those circles. So I would say some. Um, and I just, just strolled in wearing my Kaplunk t-shirt and I was well pleased. I looked over at Nate and Nate stood there in his ducky t-shirt and I was a little bit like, yeah, yeah, fuck you lot. Do you know what I mean? It's like... I feel that there's quite a lot of... I know what word I want to use, but I'm just trying to think if it's the most um, tactful word to use. I feel there's an awful... Oh, fuck it. There's an awful lot of gatekeeping goes on in the world of punk. Mm. And yeah, absolutely. punk's not meant to be like that. Like It's meant to be... No. It, like we've always said, and like that was the big thing that came out when we had Rich on, was that, mm. you know, if you're going to build a punk scene, it needs to be 100% inclusive. But Yeah, absolutely. There's a hell of a lot of... If you weren't at the free trade hall in Manchester or wherever it, wherever it was, watching the Sex Pistols and the Budcocks on their mm. first tour. You know, there's probably only like 25 people in the room there. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and it's not just that. It's like if you didn't, if you weren't at Woodstock, you weren't, you didn't experience the Summer of Love and yeah, all that. If you weren't at Nebworth, you didn't do Britpop and all, all of that yeah. shit. And it is shit. Yeah, so there's an awful lot of gatekeeping and there's an awful lot of you weren't there, man, you don't know. Yes, exactly. And there's also, it's quite a lot. Like, I know we have views about Oasis and Noel Gallagher, but you got that whole Oasis are copying the Beatles. Mm. Because 30 years previous. A lot of the people who say to you that Green Day aren't a punk band, right? Or say, say to me that, you know, Green Day aren't mm. punk or not punk enough or not. Yeah, enough, yeah. Or whatever it is. So, in 1994, when that record came out, I was 14, nearly 15, mm. when Ducky first came out. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, like I said, I, I like the record. I, it's not one of my top favourite records, but I think it's a good, solid record. Okay? Mm. And that got me into punk. But the people who were telling me they ain't punk enough were, were 15, 16 in 1977. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, and, like, and, and we said before, considering we both have quite strong punk tendencies if that is a real yes, thing yeah um or at least that sort of diy ethic and the making things as good as you can make it yeah that sort of runs with us doesn't it like i like considering i consider myself to have like strong punk tendencies i don't listen to a lot of that early 77 style punk the punk no. that i re- the punk music that I really like is stuff like The Replacements or mm. like The Violent Femmes. Um, and I know that's kind of American. I like the early REM stuff. That's got, I know it's jangly, but that's still got, that's still to me, yeah. that's, that's more punk than a lot of other stuff that was around in 1977, 78, 79, around there. Yeah. I mean, to, let's, let's be fair, Nevermind is a punk record. In 1991, mm. yeah. Nevermind's a punk record. Like. And people like to throw around that the Sex Pistols are a punk band when in reality they're a manufactured pop group. Yeah. You know, people forget that. You know, it's like and I don't I don't care about Johnny Rotten saying fuck on the TV. So what? It's the other the other stick that we will get to Ducky eventually. I just wanna it's, it it will link in. I actually when we were talking about doing a Green Day album, I actually and Ducky was the one that immediately came to mind. I actually had a thought a little while ago that Maybe we're doing the wrong album. Maybe we should have been doing American Idiot. Right. We still can. Since listening back more to Ducky this last week or so, I've actually thought, no, well, no, Ducky's such a great record to speak about. But I think just to link to American Idiot, the stick that, again, sometimes they get beaten with is like this idea that punk should be have a political conscience mm-hmm. and it should have like a, a bit of a counter movement almost to stuff like that. And then Green Day release American Idiot and they're jumping on the bandwagon. And it's just like, well, what, what bandwagon? Sorry? The, the political bandwagon. Well, like, the, yeah. Sorry. The, the political bandwagon, yeah. the, the anti-Bush movement, the whole thing around sort of like 9-11, the war on terror, 
there were suddenly a lot of bands who come out with, you know, anti-Bush records, mm-hmm. anti-America records. And, like, people talk like Green Day weren't going to do that. Pearl Jam had their anti-Bush but, song on Right Out, which came out in 2002, so a year, a year yeah. after, you know. Like, but then Neil Young didn't come out with Living With War until 2006. But people talk about, like, oh, they're jumping on the bandwagon. Like, the probably the single most impactful moment of modern history, probably since World War II, isn't going to suddenly make bands want to write about it. And it's just like, it's just, it's just absolute bullshit. Like, so you know how um, the rising is Springsteen's response to 9-11? Yeah. I always, I always just imagined that Wake Me Up When September Ends was their response to 9-11, but it's not, mm. it's, it's about his, his mum or his nan or something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, but I um, always just, I just automatically associated it with 9-11, yeah. which it isn't and, apparently, so... No, no. Um, to be fair, a lot of American Idiot isn't just about 9-11 and the war on terror and stuff. It's as much, a, and I don't like the phrase, but it's as much a social commentary mm. on America at the time. It's not necessarily, it's like against the backdrop of, of yeah. post-9-11 America. But like, but then Wrecking, Wreck, Wrecking Ball by Bruce Springsteen is exactly the same. Yeah. It's, it's against a backdrop of the second great depression after the credit crisis or, mm-hmm. you know, after the global crash in 2008, when yeah. you had fucking tent cities in America, yeah. richest country in the world. It, yeah. It's a commentary on what's going on. And that's why, like, I don't think anyone should be criticized for attempting to convey what's going on around them. Mm. Yeah. However they see fit. And now if, if it's not, you know, like no effects can do it without it being um, Lisa and Louise or whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like... yeah, 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 yeah. It's just Sorry, I just think like I just think they're the band who are on a bit of a hide into nothing. Mm-hmm. And this might just be that I'm being protective of one of my bands, but like you know, imagine the world when nine eleven happens and the 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 you know one of the leading mainstream punk bands don't have a musical response to it. Imagine the stick, the, imagine the beating they would have got for that, you know, beating off, you know. But, um, and also with American Idiot, again, it's okay for The Who to do a rock opera, but Green Day can't do it because they're Green Day, you know. Anyway, we should probably get to what we're here for. Dookie was released in 1994. It was their third record. It was their first one on Reprise. We've kind of commented on how, um, the, like the first two were on the cape, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. First, um, singles off of the album were "Long View," "Welcome to Paradise," "Basket Case," "When I Come Around," and "She." Okay. Yeah. Can I read you the what it says on the Apple Music? The Apple Music. Uh, you absolutely may. Synopsis. In 1990- synopsis. synopsis is that the right word? I don't know. Right. In 1993, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. In 1993, alternative rock was still ruled by the brooding sounds of what we once called grunge, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, etc. Uh, released in February 94, Green Day's third album was like a glass of cold water in the face. First off, it was catchy, not in an oblique, theoretical way, but in in a way that was vibrant, sweet, immediate. It wanted to please. Second, it understood the special process of combustion by which angst becomes humour. Here were songs Mm. about panic attacks, poverty, and mind-destroying boredom that felt not just funny, not just familiar, but funny. If it was punk, it was punk not in the style of the Sex Pistols, but the Ramones, guys whose anger was neutered by their own hilarious incompetence, whose smarts were evident in how how effortlessly they played dumb. Uh, They weren't tortured artists mapping the rim of existential repair. They were regular dudes walking around, hoping to burn off a little nervous energy. Does that remind you of anyone, Mr. Sam Jones and the Navajos? (laughs) <laughs> yeah i'll take that no but isn't um, it it's basically yeah. they're, they're 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 free lads who just wanted to fuck around in a band yeah and they're yeah, just absolutely for, fortunate that one of them could write decent fucking songs mm. yeah 
think it's a little, little, well, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. But, you know, there, there's some pretty serious stuff on that, you know, like about his dealings with anxiety attacks and panic attacks and whatnot. And, but yeah, no, no, I completely get that. It's, it's a bit lighter touch than what was around at the time, I'd imagine. Um, but above all, it's a really, really fucking good record. I don't think there's a bad song on it. I have favourites. I have some that I think are a bit, yeah, but I don't think there's a bad song on this record start to finish. Um, there's no, certainly nothing that I sit there and think, I wish that wasn't on it. So how often do you listen to it, do you reckon? Um, like, if you were to put it into sort of, the amount I've listened to it this week probably means that I probably listen to it over the year about once a week, but no, not very often. Um, if I'm going to listen to a Green Day record, I'm going to listen to this or American Idiot, which again isn't that often, but like enough that you know I, I pretty much know every word off the, off it. If you know what I mean, like you well, know, you it, say that I put it on for the first time probably in. Well, I I, had, I did put it on around Christmas time because you got Evan the the CD. Yeah. Um, and which is a while ago now, anyway. But I still like when I put it on to listen to it for this. I still knew most of the words. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't remember the names of the songs, and I think that, like mm. I said, that's because I had a taped copy. I didn't yeah. have the names of the songs. I also think it it does blend quite a lot the album. Be that a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah, what what jumped out to me was that you don't get Basket Cave to like track seven. Mm. Yeah, it's tucked away, isn't it, a little bit? And it all, it's almost like, because that was the lead single, wasn't it? And it's, yes. a, great, and it's yeah. a great tune and a really cool video as well. Yeah, so yeah. But that first track, Burnout, is just like a, it's just really, really good. Isn't Love it? that it's drum real good roll opener. start. Yeah. I was, su- I was surprised you didn't have that in one of your um, top you know five. What? Yeah, no, that, that's a fair comment, actually, because that is a great track. Two minutes, have it. Let's get going. Um, so, rather than go through every single track, have you got, like, some favourite tracks on the album? Absolutely. And uh, now I am very, very aware that I've sort of backed myself into a bit of a corner here with my comments about common people and designed for life, you know, if they're mm. not the best songs. So I'm going to completely take that back and say Basket Case isn't the best song on this album. No, it's not. However, when I come around, probably is. Oh, I thought you were going to say Welcome to Paradise. No. I, 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 think I think Welcome to Paradise is an absolute fucking piece of work. Yes, it is an amazing track. But I think that's better than anything else on the album. And the fact hmm. that it was on Kaplunk as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I can go with that. Absolutely. It's a mm-hmm. great track. Um, I love When I Come Around, though. It's one of the first Green Day songs I really, really remember. Um, I think it's a, a brilliant piece of songwriting. I think it's just a great song. Um, I love Basket Case. Don't get me wrong. It, it's it's killer. Oh, I think it's a pretty strong set of singles. Mm-hmm. You know, with Longview, Welcome to Paradise, Basket Case, She... When I come around, she's probably the weakest of the singles. That was just was released saying. on radio, wasn't it? For radio, oh, play. was it? It was like a, uh, like a fifth single, and it didn't get a press in or anything. It just went straight uh, out okay. on the radio. It's a good tune. It's it's probably I would say the weakest of those five. Now, I really do like play. the last two tracks. I yes, like, in in the end, and it's on here is FOD, but I understand that is fuck off and die. It is indeed yes. I really like um, those two. Yes, it is. I it, hope you, know, you won't. I hope you won't be there in the end when you come around. That's yeah. Got to have yeah. some singing. <laughs> yeah, for me, my hips to pick if you want them for best tracks are uh, Sassafras Roots or Sassafras mm-hmm. Roots. Sassafras and, Roots and Coming Clean. I think Coming Clean yeah. is a amazing song. So, um, and seventeen and coming clean yeah. for yeah, that's really good. That's it. And like again, they would have been very old when this record was made, and it, I think it's a good nod to perhaps 
a lack of understanding of the band at times because it's you know it's it's about Billy Joe's bisexuality and stuff and him kind of not coming to terms is the wrong word because that you know but like you know what I mean it's like it's it's him trying to make sense of that I think it's an amazing song I think it it's what what you know 90 seconds long and I think it's got so much packed into it in terms of like it's pretty catchy it's got like there's a lot in it lyrically there's a really cool little solo in it probably my favorite song I would say on the album if I was yeah, you know, I know it is. I know it's a bit, I don't know, I'm going to pick track 10 or, or, you know, an album track. But it is great. I think it's brilliant, brilliant bit of songwriting. Um, and yes, I think Sassafras, however it is you pronounce it as well, is a really, really good song. And I just think it's just a great album. I, and and I, I know I use that phrase a lot. And I think I've mentioned before, I've probably said on this podcast, that I've got like, 20 greatest albums ever but like I, I just think I think I, I genuinely think that you know Bookie is I know 30 years is a, well 25 years is a long time but like it's probably one of the best albums of that period for, for my money at least so I we'll know get into all, that if you know like. a lot of it so but for, like, for me um for me that's my new favorite little tick isn't it <laughs> um I feel that if um like i said like i said before green day opened the door to me to like rancid and mm. bad religion and no effects a little bit i never really got into no effects like, yeah. like our rich really got into no effects for a yeah, bit yeah, and yeah. there was other people about uh like steve arrowsmith got really into no effects i, I they never really mm. i don't know i just couldn't get into them um but i do feel that it was um it was green day in this record in particular that open those doors over here yeah. for, for bands like that to come over. Yeah, and definitely. As much as you can see the progression from like um from Green Day to the easy one is to blink. Yeah. That like, you know, in terms if you want to call it teeny punk or what yeah. I that's not that's not how I feel about it, but that's like the name yeah, yeah, it yeah, gets, yeah. you know, kiddie punk almost. Um but yeah, I don't. I think, I think if um, you don't have this record, you don't get blank. I don't think you get that whole emo thing in the two thousands. No, no. Um, whether it's any good or not. So this record <laughs> is this record is responsible for my chemical romance, maybe. Well, yeah, but like then subsequently, if if my chemical romance aren't your bag, imagine how many people got into Green Day, got into My Chemical Romance, or didn't get into My Chemical... Well, sorry, didn't get into Green Day, but they heard My Chemical Romance because of the doors that Green Day had opened, and mm-hmm. then went back and found everything. Yeah. You know, and all these bad... And I'm aware that I'm saying, like, found everything, like, there's nothing good posted, because there obviously is, but, like, for the bands that I'm into, you know, like, a lot of people probably did hear stuff like My Chemical Romance, and thought, hang on a minute, what, what's what's like this? You know, Fang Blink, Fang Green Day, and then you sort of, you're not you're not a million miles away from London calling then, are you? <laughs> you know? It, it, but you see what I mean? You can, you can see how that, you know, you, you track that back. Yeah, just you think do it, it with everything though, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Like, you can hit, like, we're, like we, we're, neither of us are that keen on Led Zeppelin, but you can hear Led Zeppelin in some Pearl Jam work. Yeah, like yeah. you know, and you, you know, you can tell Mike McCready is a massive Van Halen fan just from the mm. way he plays. Yeah, you know, so like, at what point is it like, you know, they? Yeah, it's just I get really annoyed when people go like because it's the easy option, isn't it? Just to go well, you know, it's not punk because it, it's not the Sex Pistols. And yes. It's just, yeah, it's just. Winds me up, and it's always the um, same fucking people. Who wrote High Fidelity? Nick Hornby. Nick Hornby. Because he, no, yeah, he's got Sham sixty nine. Uh I don't know that connection. Oh, um, in the film. So at one point in that, he's having a conversation about how, like, they're talking about Green Day, and he says, uh, "Yeah, but they're of course they're all like Sham sixty nine, aren't they?" And then mm. everyone takes a 
takes the piss out of him for going, oh, they don't sound like Sham 69, whatever. And then he puts it on, and then who becomes his future, the girl who becomes his future girlfriend? It's like, is this the new Green Day? He's like, no, it's Sham 69. And then they yes. bond over that. And yeah. Yes. And um, why, what, what were you after? Well, I, I have something that I often bring out when I have these sorts of chats with people. So um, in, you may remember, I made you listen to Handwritten by the Gaslight Anthem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Nick Hornby wrote the, um, the liner notes for that mm-hmm. record. And I've probably already broken this out, actually, on the pod. Yeah, you did. But, yeah, I did, right. But I, So he, he, he says, it'd be stupid to try and tell you that the music you're listening to is nothing like you've ever heard before. The songs on the Gaslight Anthems album are three or four minutes long. They're played on loud electric guitars and air drums. And to be honest, if you haven't heard anything like this before, then you're probably listening to the wrong band anyway. What's great about the Gaslight Anthem, there's something that you've heard things like this before on the first Clash album, Bored to Run, or on the first Tom Petty album. And I think that is that. Yeah, I'm not saying that bands should look to imitate, imitate, but it's it's going to happen. Like, there's only so much you can do. There's only so, you can only be so different before it becomes just fucking shit, I'm afraid. But also, you can only be so innovative before it fucking wears you down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, like not every Radiohead album breaks the mold. It just, mm. like, it, I, I, actually, that's not a very good example. Radiohead kind of just push the barriers each time a little bit, mm. don't they? Rather than, that's what I think. Yeah. Um, Bjork. Yes. Bjork does crazy shit and don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, which other bands, like, from, because like that 94 explosion basically funded Epitaph for the next forever, didn't it? So Out, Outcome of the Wolves was the following year. Strange in yeah. the Fiction was 94 as well and smash i think those yes. are like the with Dookie, the big like ones the big aren't four they? aren't they but um, was um punk and drug 94 oh i think it might have been actually um the th- and that's the thing about um and pennywise had an album as well then punk and drug for for the record is fucking brilliant as well and the thing about as well just uh again credit where it's due bad religion were deemed as sellouts because they signed for a major label, but but why shouldn't they get paid after slogging for fifteen years? And why shouldn't they sign when it means that was it Sony they signed for? Yeah, I think so, yeah, yeah. Um, and then when from that they create Epitaph yeah. and take all the fucking punk bands with them. Yeah, you know, like um, and, but then Epitaph not just give. Like the bands they signed, like Tim Armstrong's got Hellcat. That's a subdivision of yeah, of Epitaph. Epitaph. Yeah, you've got the Transplants are on Epitaph, and they've got Travis Barker playing drums. And Travis Barker's yeah. like at the time was probably in one of the most famous bands on the planet in, in Blink. You know, and um, I think um, I heard on um, a podcast Tim Armstrong was saying it's Brett Gurewitz, isn't it? The guy, yeah. the Ep- Epitaph guy and Bad Religion yeah. guy. He's basically had a hand. In if he hasn't produced, he's had a hand in every rancid record. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can believe it. Uh, yeah. Because he, because Tim Armstrong trusts him. Mm. You know. Let's go. He's ninety four as well. Is it? Yeah. Ninety four then. That's uh, the one that's got salvation. June. And... June is it? All right. Yeah. Quick yeah. Turnaround to Wolves then. Yes. They must absolutely. Have yeah. Well, Wolves then... is, is the next year. They must have just got Lars in and just hit it off and just been writing like fuck, like yes, yeah. But, but I again, wanna, there's yeah. quite a leap from let's go to Wolves, though. Yes. Oh yeah, I yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But a lot more scar what, on it, isn't it? Yeah. There? What, what's on them? Um, uh, let's go. Uh, so salvation, radio, sidekick, um, ballad of Jimmy and Johnny. Is hyena on it? Uh, no, Hyena's on the first record. Right, okay. Um, Shows what I know. This is crying out for a Rancid, rancid episode, dive, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, Do you know, Rancid yeah. are the one but that like, I think of all the bands we talk about, you know, and like all everyone I call my favourite bands, you know, 
like after Ben Folds, I probably listened to Rancid more than anyone else now. Like Ran- Ben Folds, Pearl Jam, and Rancid would be my, like if I if I did a list on my Apple Music of who I listened to most, it'd be them three. Yeah, absolutely. I listened to Rancid a lot, and there was probably a period of time where Tim Armstrong was pretty much on everything I listened to, mm. be it Rancid, the Transplants. I love his vocals. I just think he's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Just um, right. How much more have you got to say on Ducky? Not a whole lot, to be honest. I just, I think it's one of those that I think a lot of people will have heard it. If you know what I mean, mm-hmm. I don't. It's not like a, it's not like a secret, is it, Ducky? Oh no, no. If you know not. what I no, mean, no. it's, it's like it's. Um, but I, yeah, I just, just would say that, like, I think it's for me, um, it's a massively important record by a massively important band to me. Like, I don't. Not saying I wouldn't have got to where I am with my taste, but like they certainly gave me a big shove in that direction, you know. And then it's just sort of, um, yeah, I guess I've probably been into like I don't know, I don't know what else you get into when you when you get bored of the Eagles, but um, <laughs> well, um, to be honest, like, like, like I say, I'd been listening to um, like those Vine Maiden, Guns N' Roses. Mm like all of that and then I was sort of getting into um well I was into like Pearl Jam Nirvana Soundgarden the grunge stuff and then this mm. song came along and it was different again yeah so like I think I feel really fortunate to have grown up when I did because there was so much stuff about there was so yeah. many bands and they were all different enough and yet yeah. they were all close enough but yeah, Green Day were a massive part of that. I think at the yeah. time, so I definitely came, like I really enjoyed Ducky and like Insomniac for me, which was what ninety six by then. Yeah, it was the follow up, wasn't it? So by the time that came out, I was deep into Pearl Jam. Yeah, like balls deep, and <laughs> it was just I don't know, not that it, yeah yeah it probably just felt a bit childish. And that's me being a yeah. big—that's me being a big fat wanker, because like it was just like, oh no, I've grown out of them now. Yeah, but again, I, I don't remember much on Insomniac, and I certainly never bought another record of theirs after that. So Insomniac's got like Geek Stink Breath Armitage on it. Shanks. Um, yeah, um, eighty six is on it, which yeah. is Brain I can, Stew. I, no, I can. Good record. It's a good record, actually. I'm gonna Which to one is, is it? Geeks in Breath's got it's got like the Denon, Denon, Denon. That's Brain Stew. Is that that's is. one I can remember. Yeah. Right. So what I want to do quickly because I might want to try and do like a a quick three minute review. So Sam, what what do you reckon the best tracks on the album? So if I were to sum it up, I would say you come for Basket Case, but you stay for Sasferas Roots and Coming Clean would be would be my take on it. I think the singles will draw you in and there's they're littered through the album, but the album tracks themselves are well worth the entry fee for this record. I don't think when I've been listening to it, like if I hadn't looked at what the singles were or you know, hadn't lived with the album hmm. for for nearly thirty years now, that I don't think there's a drop in standard for the, I don't think there's any obvious singles. I think well well basket right. case is an obvious single and when I come around, uh, sorry, yeah. Welcome to Paradise is an obvious single, but yeah. like she, I wouldn't have pegged as a single, or Longview, I wouldn't have pegged as a single. I don't like Longview very much, but I wouldn't have pegged yeah, that right. as a as the the lead off single mm. for the album was Longview. I think when I come around stands out because it's that change of pace. It's slightly more mid tempo in terms of standout tracks. How like their impact as a battle of this record. Mm-hmm. Like for, for for me, like we've already said, it's like spearheading that West Coast punk explosion that came in the early 90s and opened the doors for Rancid and Bad Religion. And obviously yeah. later on, like Blink and Less Than Jake and Good Charlotte. I don't know <laughs> if they're one of your bands or not. Not really, but they're all right, yeah. For me, Green Day's influence and the, the longevity of this, the impact of this record goes to show that they're not only a band that sort of got you into stuff, they're a band that got me into stuff. And also, I even think there's like another sort of slightly younger age group than me 
that got people into stuff that got to be fair that green day probably got me into similar bands that got they got you into but then there are like people who would have gotten into stuff like i guess blink my chemical romance fallout boy and that sort of stuff i can say it's almost like three waves of green day fans yeah absolutely and i i I was just thinking about that i almost wonder if it's sort of you've got people like yourself who are a bit older then people like me the youngest in an older family and then you've got people who are almost like the oldest child in a younger family if that makes sense where 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 you sort of stand out a bit different is because you're the youngest because of that yeah. like that seven or eight year age gap between yeah. us, which is kind of the whole point of the podcast in the first place. Mm. I was fifteen when Dookie came out, so yeah. the equivalent for you would probably be Warning or maybe even the the the, yeah. the greatest hits was the greatest hits in two thousand and two like that. Yeah, but I I remember buying Warning. So so Warning would be your record, and so your mates would have been into him around yeah. what was what was on warning well, the song warning minority uh else cast away there is also nimrod in between the two it's got time your life and nice guys finish last they reckoned that there was one evening when there was something like like more people heard good riddance than any other song ever right because apparently it was something like it was played in like the last of the series of friends and then oh, yes. straight away yeah. after they used it on ER on the same night on the same and it was like it was like the one where George Clooney left or some shit like right, that. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but because it was like at the end of a Friends episode, and then on ER there were so like so many millions of people uh, back when you had to tune in to watch stuff. Yeah, and I and I'll say it. It's a great song. It's a great song. Yeah. So like as I was saying, so that, so that Ducky for me, warning for you, and then there's the whole hmm. American Idiot. Yeah, but that was two thousand and six. Uh, 2004 I think so there's probably another wave again yeah with the stuff that's come out like Mm. in the last few years what there's what was it father of all motherfuckers or something yeah they're still they're still churning it out to be fair to them I haven't listened to any of it no so do you think Dookie is their best work (sighs) yes I would say as a start to finish record yes Uh, yeah I would probably say American Idiot rivals it I think American Idiot is a really really good record I should probably listen to it. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good album. It's a very good album. But yeah, I would say Ducky is their, is their best work and probably their most renowned work. And there's a reason. I think, it, I think it is the time it came out. Um, is it cool? <laughs> is it cool to hate Green Day? Yes, absolutely. Um, is it cool by people who may be 10 or 15 years older than, than I am? To hate Green Day, absolutely. The yeah. the the so called original punks because mm-hmm. it's not yeah. punk enough, or it's not punk as they know it. When really all they need to do is get a life. It's not the seventies anymore. We've moved on. What I want to know, right, is no, here are, and this is just to jump on it, right? How many of those? How many of the punk bands in nineteen seventy seven or of nineteen seventy seven would be writing songs about coming to terms with bise- about bisexuality? Exactly. I, I don't know. I don't know. Doesn't strike me as be many. Well, I don't know if I've told you this, but this might be a, a good place to to maybe draw draw it to a close because I'm going to swear in a second. I once wrote a song. I was a bit pissed off with um, attitudes of of some people, and it was around a time where I can't remember when it was exactly, but Lil, your your daughter. Um, had, had just done something online or, mm. or, or something. And th- there was a lyric I had at the end of the song was, my 10-year-old niece is more punk than you cunts. Yeah. Because I was just like so sick of it, just so sick of like just the same thing and like no one actually doing anything. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it, it just annoyed me. Two more things. Is the concept of selling out still a thing? I think the concept of selling out is still a thing, but now I think it's a desirable thing rather than a bad thing. It's the aim, if you will. I'll tell you what, I don't know, actually. I wonder if it isn't the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many, how many artists are there now that are famous because they're an unknown artist picked off of... Bandcamp or MySpace or whatever for a Ford advert 
or for a Kodak yeah. advert or yeah, an yeah. iPhone advert, and that's propelled them. Some some off the yeah. telly. I can't remember any of the names of any more off the top of my head because I'm too fucking old. <laughs> but yeah, for me, like seven eight was such a massive thing that you just didn't do it. Yeah, like the whole no. um, the whole Pearl Jam Nirvana spat was that they were supposed to be a joint cover of Time magazine with um, like Eddie Vedder and Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Both of them said, said like, I don't want to fucking do it. I'm not fucking do it, doing it. Like, but they're like all their management, like, well, if you don't fucking do it, he'll do it. Mm. So Kurt was like, well, I'm not going to do it. So you don't do it. And Eddie Vedder said, fine, I ain't going to fucking do it either. So they used a fucking stock photo of Eddie Vedder. Oh God. Yeah. So, yeah. T- so that seemed that to them, like Kurt Cobain's view was, he pr- he told me he wasn't going to do it. He's fucking sell out. Yeah. And yeah. he's like, fucking didn't have a say in it. Yeah. You know, any, anyway, you know, so, but seven, you know. I also you know. don't, I, just to add, I not only do I why should it's... Why should an artist struggle all their life? Exactly. Why shouldn't they get fucking yeah. paid? Like Exactly. You know, that, also, that's where I, I am just... now. But like in 93, 94, I would have been like, no, don't put that on an advert. Yeah. Yeah. So I was having a conversation again on Twitter. Someone was moaning, they were going to go and see Tool. But it was going to be two hundred dollars a ticket. Mm. So I I said something like, "Oh, do you remember when um, Pearl Jam put on tours boycotting Ticketmaster to try and keep the tickets cheap for the fans, but literally no other bands joined them in that process." Yeah, yeah. And now you're paying. You have to pay two hundred dollars mm. to see Tool, and it's yeah. very much like it doesn't matter if the kids can't afford seventy five quid to go to a gig. Because their dads can afford 75 quid to go and see a band they liked in the 90s. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah. Like, like I, I was so lucky I got to see, like, Motorhead for, like, 8 quid, 12 quid, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And then when we were talking to Jamie, he was saying that, like, it was, he had Motorhead tickets, they were nearly 40 quid. Mm, yeah, yeah. And, you know, if that's selling out, that, 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 that's kind of where I am with selling out. It's mm. like, I don't mind the bands making money. It's when every other fucker takes a yeah. cut as well. Yeah, annoys me. I do have another thing around the grunge thing and that as well, and I have kind of okay. mentioned this to you before. Would Green would um, Ducky have been such a massive record had Kurt Cobain not committed suicide? Do we feel that everyone around that scene was so fucking knocked sideways that? after Kurt's died I know Ducky was released in the mm. February Kurt died in the April so it'd only been around for like six weeks that after Kurt died and everyone was so fucking heavy like emotionally heavy yeah yeah they, yeah they yeah. just needed that something that was catchy and singing along and a kick up the ass just to get just to help get a bit of a palate cleanser like well not even that just to help, just to help people get through it maybe mm. yeah I I I, I think it's such a strong album that it probably would have done, but I don't feel that I can really comment too much because I wasn't there, man. Well, this is it. Yeah. I just wonder how much the effects of one artist has on the sales of another. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I guess you could argue it, it's a fair point, but, um, that's against my hot the backdrop take anyway. Of, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But against the, against the backdrop of grunge with or without, Kurt Cobain, I guess it's it would probably still feel musically at least like a quite a quite a change. There was a thing again to stay on the seven eight thing a bit. Um, I saw something. Can't remember where it was. It was some kind of app that will help you learn to play guitar better, and it was like right. it was an advert for it, and it had like. It, it was Kurt on there and it was like now you can learn to play 14 new Nirvana songs and like the in-app purchase is only nine ninety nine a month mm. for this app and this app and the other and like all the comments in it were like um, you're kind of trying to sell shit to the to the one generate or to the, to the one demographic of people who yeah. see through your corporate bullshit mm. like you know I've, and I just yeah. thought, these are still people pushing back about it you know yeah and on a similar theme, um, I think it was a, a 90% sure we might get to get Isaac on the fact check, but 
I think like there was a, a book release that was like um, like Kurt Cobain's like diary or mm. something like that. And the um, I forget his name, but the guy from the Eels, mm. who are, who are a pretty good band actually, so we don't really talk about. But he was asked for a quote for it, and his quote was, "When I die, please don't do this to my private mon- you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. to my private property, basically." Um, which I thought was quite a fitting sort of thing for him to say about it. Mm. Um, um, I, that's it for this then. Ducky. Mm. Is it punk? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's all I have to say on the matter. I can't get into it anymore. Done. I tell you what. Yeah, yeah. No, cool. Done.